With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Live to see it, friends, and welcome to the world transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, a future that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At The World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Wednesday. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm ready to go to school. All right. Be talking uh, school days. I'm ready for you to school me, man. You know, (laughs) set me straight on some things here. Let's 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 learn about education. We're going to talk about changes in education and where technology might be driving it. In a sense, this is sort of a companion to the show we did on Monday, where we talked about the technological singularity and rapid technological change, because I think there's a big component of that to talking about education. But I think the the first question we have to ask is, what are we doing, and is it worth doing? And there's this great story here from the LA Times by Brian Kaplan. What students know that experts don't, school is all about signaling, not skill building. And he's talking primarily about university education here, but he's got, and of course he's got this book out, The Case Against Education, which has been much discussed in recent weeks. But basically, he's, he's making the case that what we're paying for and what we're getting where education is concerned are two completely different things, that the, the model that we claim is that we're sending kids to college so they'll learn skills and be employable. And in fact, the emphasis is very much less on learning the skills, either for them or for the employers, and much more just on kind of the certification of that, something we've talked about right. lots over the, over the past few years. So... I just introduced that as the standpoint from the standpoint of okay, so maybe our model is misguided even from the word go, right? We don't even know what we're doing with education. What do you right. think? I think there's a there's something huge to be said about that. I was watching Elon Musk recently in an interview, and he was he was asked, uh, "Where do you go to find these people? These these incredible people that are building rockets for you and building Tesla Roadsters and everything else." And he said, and what he said, I found interesting. He says, "I don't care where you come from, and what school you went to. I want to know what kind of projects you've worked on. I want to know, you know, did you hands-on? Have you soldered a circuit? Do you know how to uh, uh, put together a team to do some some big task? If your uh, educational experience was all sitting there listening to lectures and then regurgitating it back on an exam." He's not going to be interested in you. He can't. Right. He doesn't have time to bring you up to speed on how it is to actually do a project. You need to be. You need to be able to hit the ground running at what 
to do what it is that his companies are trying to do. I suspect that's going to be a model for many employers, not just Musk, right? You're going to need to have practical experience built into the educational model at some point rather yeah. than, than, than just what we've got now. I think, I so, think yeah. that's right. After all the signaling, you know, Robin Hansen was on the show a while back. We did a fast forward talking about his book, The Elephant in the Brain, and education is one of the topics in that book, how we, how we, how we say we're doing all this stuff, we're actually doing something else. I think what Musk is saying outright is what happens in a lot of organizations. It's like we hire people based on they did this and this and this, but we're going to move people up, and we're actually going to deploy people based on whether they can do anything, right? Which becomes right. This, this, this whole other process you have to go through because the educational stuff, which we pretend is, is telling us everything, doesn't tell us that much. So right. it, it's, it's like we've, got, we, we've, we've sort of got two systems going at the same time. Maybe we want to simplify that and see if we can just have a single system whereby we're teaching people and then, and then employing them based on the, the things we've taught them. Now, is there any hope that will that will go in that direction. Well, some things will have to change. That's for sure. And I've got a couple of quick stories here that talk about things. Actually, some of them from some fairly unexpected directions. I'm thinking particularly of this next one. A new study shows that students learn way more effectively from print textbooks than screens. This is really interesting research. You gotta you gotta follow this and read it. There's two big takeaways for me from this. One is if you ask students which is better, they'll say. Give me, it, give me it on screen, right? Give it to me on my device. I learn more effectively. I want it that way. That's how, that's how I'll learn. But if you test them for reading comprehension and what they pick up on, <laughs> if you give them a book, they learn it much better. It actually has to go not for general questions, but for like specific learning points, that students actually learn specific stuff better from a book than they do from a computer screen. Now, this is, this is a bit of research done in the face of Everyone's digitizing the educational process like crazy. And, of course, right, we're right. big advocates of that on this program, talking about learning off YouTube and uh, all, all those kinds of things. So what do you do with this data point, right? It's like, hmm, that's, that's interesting. I, I think there's something to be said for having it in your hand um, yeah. and, uh, and being able to you know, highlight it, un- underline this, and, uh, and connect it physically, right, by <laughs> – by writing in the margins and things like that. There's something to be said for that. But you know what? I'd like to see this study done also uh, on um, videos. Kids are not just learning uh, on their screens by reading on their screens. You can watch somebody demonstrating a concept, right, on a video. Sure. Um, So I'd like to see that study take that into account. And I suspect that, uh, you know, often – well, it, I guess it depends on what you're teaching, but a lot of concepts are are just visual in nature, and you need to be able to see it done. And we keep mentioning YouTube. They, it's a huge repository of knowledge on, okay, here's how you do this thing. you got an old carburetor in, in your 1971 vintage Roadster that needs to be fixed. There's somebody on YouTube that can show you how to do that. And it's not the same as pulling out an old uh, auto manual. It's just not. There's a lot of learning like that that can take place better on a screen than, I, than with a book 
personally not ready to throw literacy away yet, right? I'm not ready to say, so we'll just do it all with YouTube videos. I think. Yeah, that's right. You can't, and you can't do that. So I I I think there's argument to be made to mix. If the concept is just not getting through to your brain in one way, try another way. There's we live in a world that's rich with methods, right? To get it into your head. You know, this kind of goes back to our Monday discussion a little bit. We're talking about we were talking about this big shift in reality. And I think you're always going to learn better from the more real experience. And if you're dealing just with concepts, just with text, maybe it's better to have a book, as you said, because you're holding it. It's like you're interacting with, a, with your whole presence, right, in a way right. that you're not with a screen. It's a, little bit, it's a little bit farther removed. On the other hand, if someone's demonstrating something to you, then it's better to see that, <laughs> right, than it is to read it. So right. it, it, we're always going to learn better and, from and, the more. And even better than that is to be – in the auto shop with the guy, sure. While he and have your hands on the stuff, of course. Works on yeah. the uh, carburetor, right? Yeah, it, yeah. It, to touch it, it and so do it yourself. Real, yeah, the the more real experience is the richer experience. We can't we can't all we can't always be in the auto shop with with the exact carburetor we need to know about, you know, with that with a particular uh, guy or whatever, right? Or well, we, that's right that's, now we can't. But, you yeah. know, that, that's... Maybe, uh, maybe someday we can. That's going to be rapidly changing. A- anyway, uh, interesting that we might be going into VR and reading real books in VR rather than reading <laughs> digital books here in the real world. I, I think that's an interesting, interesting thought. But there's, there's something to be said for having a body, something to be said for having eyes and fingers and uh, all, all the sensory organs we have. And we've got to respect that students are they're people, right? They're entire people. That, uh, that, that have to learn. They're not just brains that we can fill with knowledge, although we'll come back to that here in a couple stories down, so we'll, we'll think about that some more. All right, how about this one? After 100 years of the same teaching model, it's time to throw out the playbook. I like this just because this is a very straightforward discussion of this author talks about when my parents were kids and they were in school, here's how it worked, and it shows all the kids in this one big classroom and the arrow is pointing from the teacher to the student. And then he or she says, when, in the 90s when I went to school, it was like this. And it's the exact same picture, only the kids are, like, clustered, right? <laughs> Instead of one yeah. big group, they're in, like, four little groups, but it's still the teacher and the arrow. And, this is, and, and here's how it's supposed to work. And you've got this wonderful infographic of kids moving around, kids interacting. The arrows are pointing in all different directions. But the learning experience actually begins with the student and actually begins with what they're motivated to do, what they're interested in. And it's just wonderful organic picture of how learning ought to work. And when I, was, when I was reading that, I was thinking, well, this is what my friends who homeschool, especially the unschoolers, this is what they talk about. It's like, get out of this industrial age model of education and go with this much more organic way of learning. Let kids learn the way human beings are actually programmed to learn. And once again, you're kind of talking about the more real experience will prevail. And I know, Stephen, yeah, you have some it's sort of on, the Montessori idea, too, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's letting kids learn evolutionary in an evolutionary way, the, the way we have evolved to learn. I kind of like that. And I know you've got some thoughts on homeschooling. Absolutely. Let me just say the pace of change in the world is increasing. So I think going forward, Phil, the primary type of literacy that we need to be thinking about with kids and really with adults too is the ability to teach yourself. Right. I'm presented with a problem. I go and I will find the solution. You're just kind of programmed to sit there passively and 
and uh, to soak up what the teacher is putting out, and then you just squeeze the sponge of your brain out onto an exam, and that's that's all you know. Right. And I don't think you're properly prepared for the world. And, and so, yeah, we've homeschooled our four sons, and two of them are in college and doing quite well in college, and uh, two are still at home being homeschooled. And there's this particular episode with my oldest, I recall from about, I don't know, it was five, seven years ago, He's sitting there struggling with a pretty difficult concept in algebra, and he's griping because he says the online instructor that is teaching this, just he, he's not teaching it well. My response, I was kind of stern with him, to be honest, but uh, mm-hmm. my response to him is, so what? I didn't even check and see if he was right if, if this particular instructor on this particular subject was doing a poor job. I said, so what if he is? Your job here is to go out and find what you need to find to learn it and put it in your head. You are to be your own best professor. Right. And I want you to learn how to do that. That's the skill we want you to have. And so go out. You need to find something on YouTube. Salman Khan's doing these awesome YouTube videos. You know, you have the whole world at your fingertips. Use it. And, um, and Timothy, since then, has come back and said, you know what? That is a huge competitive uh, advantage for me versus my peers in college is that they, they tend to want to sit back and just absorb it, and if, it, if they, they don't get it in class, then they, you know, then they just don't get it. Right. Whereas I've been trained by you guys to, to not accept that and to keep pressing forward and finding the answer. I think that's a form of literacy that's hugely important. I would say that homeschooling is not always the, the answer for everything. I think that homeschooling uh, kids represent both the the top and sometimes, unfortunately, the bottom of the educational experience. I, I think it depends to a great extent on the commitment of the parents to actually educate the kids. Right. And, well, I mean, uh, the, the the difference there is not so much whether it happens at home or whether it happens in a classroom, but it's just this basic whether methodology of education, <laughs> right? If, if you're homeschooling a kid and you're just spoon-feeding them the curriculum that you've bought and you know if it's good it's good and if it's bad it's bad and I I really don't know that much about it here just take your test it's not that different of an experience from what a lot of kids get in public schools anyway right I mean it's right right if that's all you're doing that may that's not an enriching and I would say that of the homeschooling families that we interact with I I would say most of them are having a a richer experience than than standard uh, than standard education but uh, most is not all and there's, there's a few that just One of the big advantages do... you have in homeschooling is you've got that teacher-to-student ratio just where you want it. Right? <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, they always talk about that in yeah. public schools. It's like, well, hey, in this, in this school there's 30 kids to one teacher, but this one there's only 17 kids to one teacher. So we want to do that. It's like, well, homeschooling, you've got often one kid to one teacher or maybe one, two kids to one teacher or something like that. But, you know, that's a much better ratio. But... The teacher is sometimes, I mean, the, t- the teacher is highly variable in both situations, right? Sometimes True. you've got a much yeah. better teacher well, with a group it, of 30 kids or I would 17. Put it, put it this way. If you've got a bad teacher in, in public school, wait, wait a year. Uh, and, and by the time you get to high school, you wait an hour. You're going to be with a different teacher. That's right. If you have a bad teacher in a homeschool environment, then that's a huge problem. That's something to consider uh, with homeschooling. But uh, I would say, by and large, it's been thoroughly enriching for our kids and, uh, and, and for most of the homeschool kids I've seen. I think that the, that the approach you described that you took with, with your kids 
is very much the direction that all education has to move wherever it takes place. And I, one of the interesting things right. is it, it may become a lot less important where it takes place, which is kind of what homeschoolers have been saying all along. It's like, well, it doesn't really matter if you're in a classroom or if you're at home. The important thing is that you're in an environment that's going to be conducive to your learning and that you're going to, that you're going to pick up the skills that you need. I, I think we'll probably see a big, a big kind of push in that direction. And let's why don't we just actually, let's skip the DARPA story for now. We'll come back to that at the very end and talk a little bit about the coffee shopification of ed- education because that's really what homeschool is in a lot of ways, right? In the future, right, everything right. will be a coffee shop. Has, you have to be your own best professor in this model, okay? Right, the the right. thing that I was hammering home to Timothy in high school, uh, home, you know, for homeschoolers, it's the same thing that really needs to be your emphasis if you are doing online classes with MIT X or whatever program that you're, you know, that you've chosen online. Let's say so. Let's if if you choose something like that to learn what it is you need for a particular task, I think education will be very much ad hoc. And the further we get into the future, it won't be that th- these are the years of your life that you do education and these are the years of, li- of your life that you do work and they do not, you know, intersperse, right? right Wrong. Right. In the future, you will be going to school and working at the same time all your life because the world will be changing so fast that you'll have to be getting up to speed on a new concept that's happening at work all the time. You better be flexible. That's really true for people in the digital world anyhow. That right. that's where they've been living for for some time. If you're a web designer, or if you're if you do SEO or some of that kind of stuff, I you know there are formal instructional things on those. But it's like by the time you get out of school and you show up in the workplace, you're already way behind, probably. Right. And and the first thing you have to do is learn all the new stuff, right? It's like you, yeah. you immediately programmers you know, uh, have been and, in, in that space yeah, for a long time. Program, programmers are constantly having to go to school on, the, on some new technique uh, all the time, right? I think that's the way it'll be for pretty much every job. You know, we're, yeah, and we, we are should all mention, in the informational economy now, right? I mean, we, uh, you, every single job I know involves looking at a computer screen at some point during the day. I keep going back to auto mechanics. Yeah, I mean, the auto mechanics I know are looking at a screen for much of the day now. You know, it's right. just uh, uh, it's we are an an information economy and very much uh, every job now. And so we, you think about the think about the fast forward show we did with Solix a couple weeks ago, and right. the the scenarios he's giving is all these businesses becoming digital. Now we've been talking about businesses going digital for decades now, but it's really happening in a way that it hadn't happened for last last decade and a half or so, you really see this transformation occurring where the main thing that an organization does is now digital rather than physical, rather than real world. So if your right. business is, is digital, whatever it is, it doesn't matter if you're a web designer or an SEO expert or a programmer or an insurance agent or a lawyer or whatever, healthcare professional, the main body of your work is increasingly becoming digital content, it's, it's, and it's occurring in a, in a digital environment. And that means you're subject to the same level of pace of change and the same need to constantly be learning the new stuff, that, to, to constantly find out where it's happening. Because once you're in that digital environment, that's just how it works. It changes rapidly, and you've you got to find a way to keep up with it. I wanted to take yeah, a moment. Which brings say, us to the last story, doesn't it, Phil? Well, before we get there, we, we, we threw out the term coffee shop 
without explaining what we meant by that. So I want to swing back real fast and say, Stephen wrote a brilliant piece years ago called In the Future Everything Will Be a Coffee Shop. And we talk about the coffee shopification of education or about anything else. What we're talking about is these things being taken out of their old institutional homes and moved into, in, in the original example, Starbucks, right? I mean, that, that's kind of the... That's kind of the idea. But, but not necessarily Starbucks. It might be your, your kitchen counter. You might be at a job, you know, learning something new for, uh, you know, in your, in your cubicle or in your office. You might be learning something new at, at work as if it were uh, you're in a classroom environment. And right. So, the, great, yeah. the great thing about the coffee shop is it's a place where people can go and there's an Internet connection, right? <laughs> so if you, can, <laughs> yeah. if you yeah. can meet up with somebody and get on the Internet, you're you're in an environment where you can do work. You're in an environment where you can learn. It's the it's the coffee shopification of the world. Okay, so now now let's swing it back. That's right. You have to get faster and faster. You have to keep up. But hey, machines can do this stuff faster than we can. How will we ever keep up? Well, that's that's when you hit the final uh, finally where we get kind of science fictiony with this. DARPA is planning to hack the human brain to let us quote upload skills now. If you if you follow this link and read this story, most of it is not about that, right? Most of it is about we're going to do we're going to do some uh, they they call it targeted neuroplasticity training, where basically they're trying to figure out a way to make brains more receptive to information, and the idea of the matrix where you just <laughs> right push a button and download. Uh, now I can fly a helicopter, right? And um, uh, now I know kung fu. That's not necessarily right. what we're saying, right? But, not uh, yet, not yet. Although that is that is the end game. What what they're talking about right now is just is just making brains more receptive to information. But I think you know, if all businesses are digital and if everything is occurring at this digital pace, as frightening as this is to some people, the idea of look, we're going to go in and change our brains, I don't think it's far out to think that this is going to become a part of education. Physiologically doing things to our brain, I think, is is going to is going to enter the picture here sooner rather than later. And yeah, eventually, I love the end game of. I mean, I, Greg Bear Greg Bear wrote this book Eon years ago, and one of my favorite scenes in it early on is a science fiction story set partly in space. But this guy needs to learn Russian, so he so he's like, oh, I got to learn Russian. I got to talk to this guy. So he takes a pill, right? He swallows this pill. And a couple hours later, he can speak Russian. Obviously, some advanced nanotechnology going on there. The nanobots have gotten into his brain, and they've just rewired it so that Russian is in there. We're, it's going to be a while before you can take a pill and learn Russian. But I think it's probably not going to be that long before we're going to take a pill or we're going to do something to make our, to, to, to make our brains more receptive to where they have to be in order to keep up with digital transformation. What do you think, Stephen? I think that uh, what DARPA is doing could become mainstream uh, much quicker, obviously, than the, than the pill uh, to learn Russian. And so, yeah, and, and I'm going to tell you right now that there is a tendency on college campuses to, uh, you know, there's a bit of an arms race with various uh, drugs that allow people to learn more easily there is a tendency uh, to abuse uh, these these drugs because if half the class is taking uh, this medicine and is and is outpacing the other half of the class, then that is a bit of a uh, uh, carrot and stick, right? To right. Uh, to to begin taking that med- taking those drugs. Do I see this as a coming thing? Absolutely, and to some extent, it's already here. Yeah, it's scary. There's a lot of great possibilities there. A lot of 
risk there potentially. Yeah. But I think that's I think that's probably where we're going to be headed. And once again, Stephen, we have to end it on the thought that well, this is a topic we're going to come back to, isn't it? <laughs> Absolutely. We'll be watching this one. All right. So great talking with you about education. This is a subject that we love talking about, and we will be coming back to in future shows. And we're going to be back on Friday with a brand new show talking about, well, not to give it away, but the crayfish that's taken over the world. So you don't want to miss that one. Great talking with you, Stephen. Great having you all with us. And until next time, live to see it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.